Hey guys, it's your girl here, Ada B, and welcome back to the Talks with Ada B show. It's your host here, Ada B, and today I'm joined by a very, very special co-host. I'm very excited to have none other than my wonderful mother. Hey, mom. Hi. Hi, Hi everyone. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Good. Thank you for coming on the show. Do you want to just let them know who you are? My name is Wema, I'm Ada's mum, and I'm happy to be here with you today. Yes, it's, it's a real privilege to have your mum, I'm really excited. Guys, if you're not already following the socials, please make sure that you do, at Talks with Ada B. That's on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. We also have a Talks with Ada B submissions playlist, which is your submissions featured on a global playlist. So make sure that you check that out on Spotify only. And without further ado, we're going to get into the show because there is a lot to talk about today and I am gonna start with something somber as you know the nature of this show is that we talk about what's real yes we talk about entertainment news yes we have guests on and yes we have a laugh but we talk about what's real and the reason why we talk about these things is because it's so important to learn from what we see and hear just because it feels unrelatable to us in this moment does not mean that it can't be applicable to us later on in life this shouldn't be news to most of you but if it is we are going to talk about trigger warning Lucy Letby we're going to talk about the very tragic story that started back in 2015 of this young nurse who was on the neonatal ward abusing her power abusing her position abusing her authority and care of these young vulnerable children by taking their lives the fact that her colleagues well not even her colleagues her superiors at the time reported her to senior management and were vehemently dismissed i just found it very unbelievable mm -hmm. for a, a crime as big as this mm -hmm. uh, involving uh, vulnerable uh, children yeah. and it has been ignored how can it pass all these uh, sections and stages and no action has been taken exactly yeah i, think I don't it's... know how something must be wrong somewhere a hundred percent i i have to agree and i think um, um that's it his name is dr ravi jayaram he was uh, the consultant paediatrician at the time mm -hmm. and it's because of him and speaking to you know his fellow consultants that they just realised that in their history of working at the hospital, in the history of the job that they do, deaths don't occur this often. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that they were under this specific person's care routinely, he knew something had to be wrong and he trusted his gut on that and he was right. So only imagine if they'd listened to him the first time. You yeah, know? for me, for me, there's no excuse. Yeah, the hospital is wrong. The yeah. management is wrong. hundred percent. And something needs to to be taken. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, currently we're hearing that she has uh, Lucy Letby herself has actually received um, consecutive life sentences, which I think is right. Um, and but and then the uh, I think the senior management at the, um, at the hospital have been put on suspended leave, but I don't even think that's enough. That's I, I think the senior management shouldn't even be able to work in hospitals again because if they could hear something as disturbing and as chilling as this, and be prepared to put it under the rug, 
you know, without any real investigation, the only investigation they did was to, to transfer her to a different uh, department. And then as soon as the, the killing stopped and they return her and then they continue and they still didn't see Anita. This is not, these are not people that, in my opinion, I would trust. Do you know what I mean? Especially when some of these women we're now hearing were actually IVF patients. So they have struggled for years to conceive these children. That is so painful. So I don't think that the, the senior management should be let off lightly. I don't lightly. I don't even think they should be be able to retain their licenses to practice in, in, in healthcare, if I'm being very honest. But that's just my opinion. And I don't know that many people share that. But for me, I just think that, you know, Lucy Letby's punishing was correct. Um, but I, I still think senior management are very much responsible and the board needs to be looked at. And why did well. they have to go for that length? Exactly. You know? This is a case as old as 2015, between 2015 and 2017. Yeah, there is no exactly. reason why in 2023 this is now just making the light of day. This should have been this should have been wrapped up way back then. But I do want to share my screen actually. So you guys can just hear a snippet of the interview. I don't want to be this to be flagged or you know to be kind of get in trouble for using ITV's content. But I do want you guys to just hear a snippet of the interview just to get a feel of, you know, what really what really happened at that time and what Dr. Ravi was going through at the time uh, when trying to bring this to light, you know. In June 2015, after three babies died and another collapsed, doctors met with their managers and noted Lucy Letby's presence. Two more babies would die later that year, another four collapsed, and by early 2016 there had been three internal reviews, but none of them came up with an answer. Until something happened which made Dr Jayaram even more certain of his own theory. Tell me about the night when you walked in on Lucy Latby standing over the cot of Baby K. That is a night that is etched on my memory and will be in my nightmares forever, to be honest. I was sitting at the desk just outside the room writing notes and uh, the nurse looking after the baby said she was popping to the delivery suite to go and talk to the parents and she said, I've left Lucy and their babysitting. Part of me was saying, you better go in and just check if everything's okay because you know what's happened before when, when Lucy's been on duty. As I walked towards, uh, the incubator, I could see on the monitors that the oxygen saturations, which is basically the baby's oxygen levels, were dropping. And they dropped to a level that um, ordinarily, number one, the alarms would have been going off, but number two, the nurse would have called for help. And Lucy Letby was standing by the top of the incubator. She didn't have her hands in the incubator. What um, was she doing then? Well, she, just, she was just standing there. Now, tubes become dislodged, but this was a 25 week gestation baby um, who wasn't kicking around, who wasn't vigorous. The only possibility was that that tube had to have been dislodged deliberately. So you guys have just watched that and you can watch the full interview. It's on ITV News. Um, it's very sad. Very it's sad. very, very right. sad. And, you know, had they just listened to him the first time he raised it, you know, this should have been, you know, a solved case. It shouldn't even have been something that has gone on for as long Absolutely. as it has. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people have been speculating online. The main reason that he wasn't listened to was because he was an Indian man. And Lucy Letby is a English white girl with blonde hair and blue eyes. And so, you know, to these senior staff, you know, her reputation won before she came into this neonatal ward was that she was very good in a crisis, as Dr. Javi himself said, and that she was very caring and nurturing and she always knew what to do. 
So actually, initially when she came onto the ward, they thought, well, that's a good thing because she's got this reputation in the hospital that precedes her. But then she gets on the ward and then babies start collapsing and dying. Um, and when he raises that, rightfully so, he's immediately shut down. And I think what made people, I that's think... That's very, very confusing. It's very confusing. Very confusing. Mm -hmm. Very disturbing, actually. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I think... Because something mm -hmm. like that, when it's raised, whether it's true or false, action needs to be taken Absolutely. immediately. Immediately. It involves another human being's life. Exactly. And action needs to be taken. Yeah. To think that they had they just listened to him, all these lives would have been saved. I mean, he says something very chilling towards the end of the interview, which is that a lot of these kids who passed away would have been three or four years old now, or four or five years old now, um, going to school now. Um, but they'll never get that experience because they, for whatever reason, did not feel that what he said was, was credible enough, despite his level of expertise and his years of service in the industry. So they're oh. always trying to look uh, oh, okay, for yeah. this, um, uh, what's her name, they used to call Angel of Death, oh, okay. Alit. She was the first British, can you read that? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah so it that's says what here, I was trying to look. On the mirror, it says, uh, nicknamed the Angel of Death. Alit, 49, became one of Britain's most notorious child killers whilst working as a paediatric nurse. She was sentenced to 13 life sentences at Nottingham Crown Court for the four murders and she also attempted to kill three other children and cause grievous bodily harm to another six. That is so disturbing. So after after a case like this, right. Why would any they information you get in the hospital, something should be looked into. Absolutely. You can't ignore I've after what you've done. I've never heard of that case. And Harold Shipman. Oh, we've heard of that yeah, case, so, yes. I mean, this thing is not new. No, it's not new. And it, you're right, actually. Yeah, that's the what moment, I'm like, with, with I just big cases to get like the this, right name. Yeah, no, that's, I'm so glad that you brought that up. I think that's perfect because, like you said, with things as notorious as that happening, when you hear something like that in a hospital, especially when we're talking about children, for goodness sake, you would hope that they would immediately go, no, we don't want a repeat of that. Let's do something about it. But again, the way everything was handled, this is why a lot of people felt like race had a big part to do with it, because had this been maybe a fellow white doctor leading in this report of what happened, would they have been treated with the same amount of contempt? Right, so we're going to move on to something a little bit more. I mean, it's, it's still serious, but maybe not as serious as what we've just been talking about. I'm going to talk about Derek Jackson, child. Now, if you don't know who Derek Jackson is, he is a relationship guru, advisor, I don't know. He just sits in his car or in his, wherever he is and he's always on YouTube and his phone and he's just giving out advice to women about what you should avoid for when looking for a man and what you should be looking for in a man. All the while because he was everything that a woman should run away from. That is why he was able to speak so passionately and convincingly and that is why he has this large female following because he is somebody that all women should be fleeing from. Now, the scandal that sort of broke the internet, most of you might remember, is the bonnet of salvation when he first introduced the world to his wife. Most people didn't even know who had been following him for years that he was even married or that he had children, he had a family, nobody knew. And the first time he debuts her is when it's because of infidelity, because he had been cheating on her left, right and center. And one of his side chicks had made it his mission, her mission to expose him. So when she came on talking about this, the bonnet of salvation, his wife, that is, the Internet turned on her. Everybody thought she was crazy because at first people were like, girl, let's help you. Like, let's try and save you. Get out of this marriage, blah, blah, blah. And she came on there. And she defended her husband with everything in her, only for him to not only go and cheat on her more 
but actually now leave her for one of his side chicks because he's now divorcing her so she came on to the dear wifey podcast um last month i believe it was and she came on there to share you know her story from the beginning who she is before Derek jackson how they got together and the life they've built since and you know we got to learn more about the infidelity we got to learn more about again trigger warning um you know her sexual assaults and and and, and her r the r's that she's experienced and you know just other you know really horrible um things that she's experienced at the hands of men and the actual incident that she experienced just before she got with Derek and everything that has transpired since so of course everybody was expecting Derek Jackson to come and do an interview we didn't know he was going to come on the same platform to do the interview so that was quite interesting to see him come on the same platform his wife was on ex-wife was on to do the interview and in that interview he talks about his own rejections and insecurities he talks about his cheating of course because that was the main thing and he talks about what he was hopeful for when he got married to her because you know you think somebody who's been cheating up until this point why would you get married <laughs> you know but he talks about what he was hoping for once he got married and then what the reality was when you've hurt somebody so many times for such a long period of time when you get married to them it doesn't just go away mm. you know in fact it, it it now highlights even more the necessity well, to do some serious healing um so i'm gonna play a snippet of that mm. and then Mum, of course, I know you're going to have lots of things to say about this, so we are gonna, we're going to get into it. So let me just play you guys. 2009, yeah. That, yeah. that year is so crazy to me. Yeah. 2009, February 14, 2009, I asked her to be my girl after a bowling date. She said, yeah. And then I asked her to come with me down to the lake so we could pray over our relationship. It's the first Hold time. Hold on. Hold on. At 19, you're talking about you praying with us. With, I was with. actually a, you probably won't believe this, I was actually an average churchgoer, man, at that time. Bruh. I was doing my stuff, but I also went down to Mount Olive Baptist Church down in Tuskegee and was front row every single Sunday. Really? Yes. Um, I was d a devout churchgoer. I didn't know what I was doing. I never felt anything like that. I never felt like I, I really was in love because I had a hard time letting people close to me because I experienced a lot of loss. So I could engage. I'm an extrovert when it comes to meeting people and talking, but actually letting somebody in. She was the very first person outside of my family I had done that with. And then we was like, all right, God, I need your help because I don't know what I'm doing. So you guys have seen that interview. And like I said, you guys can go and watch that interview. But mom, from what you've seen so far, what, what are the first few things that you get from this guy when you see him? What's What goes through mm -hmm. your mind when you see and hear him? I think he's confused. Mm -hmm. There's this big trauma there. Mm -hmm. Um, you, can, you can't, you can't get healing. Mm -hmm. You can't get into a relationship mm -hmm. before you have a relationship with yourself. So I right. think he needed healing before he can embark on a journey of having a relationship yeah. with anyone, mm -hmm. because it's a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. I agree. I definitely agree with you, and I just think that you know they both had a lot of issues coming into this relationship like so many but i get it they're 19 they're not really thinking about counseling unless somebody's really you've got somebody influential in your life who can really say hey i really think you need counseling <laughs> i'm glad that you prayed before you started the relationship but you probably also need counseling mm. because you've got a lot of trauma because it seems like for the entire relationship they were just triggering each other mm -hmm. you know she freezes up when he shows a lot of emotion and passion and you know he wants to make love to his wife and she just she just freezes because all she's thinking about is her trauma she's just thinking about the things that she's been through at the hands of men 
as you can clearly see about what he said about his dad, his grandma, his mum, he takes rejection really badly. And so later on in the interview, he goes on to basically say, this is why he ends up sorting and bopping and he sleeps with everybody who will look at him twice, once even. <laughs> That's an excuse. Yeah, of course it is definitely an excuse. He was just looking for a way to feel validated mm -hmm. um, in, you know, in, 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 in himself. And yeah. So this relationship was, was very, very toxic. And, you know, I'm even surprised they made it last as long as they did, if I'm being honest with you. Because to me, after those first few years, they should have been done. But they broke up, got back together, broke up, got back together. Like, it was just like, it was a lot. Um, but, I think the issue also here, what I've realised, mm -hmm. maybe they're both scared to be on their own as well. Mm -hmm. Because if you break up, it needs to give you a chance to reflect. Mm -hmm. They don't seem to reflect or to look into why we're doing what we're doing exactly, to each other. Yeah. Why am I doing to my partner? Or what am I doing to trigger something to my partner they were not looking at that no they weren't so and only when they started getting counseling which unfortunately at that point for them was way too late mm. um but you're right yeah they weren't reflecting they just kept moving with the wind you mm. know as life was going so were they and feeling they, sorry for themselves yeah definitely yeah. from that interview it's definitely feeling sorry for himself mm -hmm. and trying to justify oh yeah and for me um justifying your mistakes is, is not um, a step to healing or to learning. No. Because you've got to own, take ownership of, of your bad behavior mm -hmm. or of your shortfalls in order to be able to receive the necessary help so that you can start beginning to get healing. Yeah. You can get healing before you, you agree that you've done something wrong. Absolutely. And I think I have to agree with you because at least in Danea's interview, she was... As much as she gave context to who she was and the trauma she experienced, she took accountability. Sis actually sat there and said, you know what? Yeah, I wasn't the easiest to be with. I wasn't the easiest to deal with. And you know what? I had a lot of issues. I didn't speak up about what those issues were. Mm -hmm. So I was just letting him mm -hmm. do this. And I accepted a lot of it because I wanted the lifestyle and I didn't want to, you know, and I loved him. And I just felt like, you know, he picked me. Mm -hmm. I liked her interview because she was honest. I didn't really feel like... Derek was honest enough about how much of a piece of crap he was in that relationship. I feel like what he gave us was a lot of, you know, um, he gave a lot, us a lot of dictionary words, you know, to describe, you know, where he's come from. And while he's valid in what he said, those things absolutely will impact and shape the kind of man he became. It doesn't sound like enough accountability to the point where I'm like, this man actually understands that what he's done was just wrong. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And, I, and I, I've listened to part one, I've listened, I'm halfway through part two. It's got the reason for everything. Everything, justification everything. upon justification. Yeah. And this to me just gives me typical narcissistic behaviour. Yeah. You know, and he, you know, he knows he's good looking, he's got the money, he's, he's able to express himself well, he dresses good, you know, and he knows that he's, he's, a, he's a rare catch in terms of matching the physical with the financial and the intellect. Like... That's a very rare combination if we're being honest mm. in this day and age for men. So mm. he knows he has something that most women want. Um, and I think he weaponizes that a lot, which is how he's been able to get his following in the first place. Uh, because he uses that to his advantage. And I'm so, not saying in one hand, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But it is a bad thing if you are then behind closed doors doing the very thing that you're telling exactly. other women I think to run away from. I think that that's is a very disturbing. 
I think that's where that's my problem is. Yeah. That's where my problem is. Mm. He contradicts himself so much. Way too much. So I wasn't mm. as impressed as most people. I liked the fact that he did the interview, but I knew that part of it was just about damage control. Because if he stayed quiet, then everything that Danea said about him is true. So he needed to come and say something to help vindicate himself. Because he will lose women followers, of course. Because if women are the main people that watch you and follow you, and then you do this to a woman after giving all this advice to women, it makes everybody have, you know, a funny taste in their mouth. Do and women think, who are wise... Do you think it'll be... Mm. Um, he was cancelling himself when he was doing those talks? No. Okay. Do you think that? Because sometimes mm -hmm. people try to talk the very thing they're living to help others. But I don't know how it works, whether it helps them with their mind. Mm. But I've had friends who share something, they're actually doing it, but they're acting as if it's a third party or they're giving advice to something. And I don't know how it works. I've never really put my mind to it. I see what you're or saying. What do you think? I do get what you're saying, actually. I think there might be some validity to that. Because he can't help himself. I'm, go I'm helping people in this matter mm -hmm. that maybe I'm going through. Yeah. But... I don't know what is the expectation that is he gonna get healing out of it? I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point to be honest. It is a good point. Maybe he thought, you know, he could talk his way through it and maybe he could become the man that he is talking about, <laughs> you know, that he's advising women to be with. I don't know. There is, there is, a, there is a valid point to that. So you, you, there is probably something to that. To me, I just, when I watched it, I didn't feel as moved as many people were. And I, and I think also, women give men a lot of grace that's one thing i've realized because even if you look at the comments in Danae's video and the comments in his women are ready to give this man um all the blankets all the 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 you know the this the safety nets all the uh, lifeboats so that he can sail on out of this situation but i there was very mixed reviews in Danae's comment section of that when she did her interview there were some women that were like, yes, well done, girl, for, you know, speaking your truth and sharing and, you know, it's so powerful to know, you know, these things. And there's some women in there, and I did see a lot of these comments. It wasn't like five or ten. It was at least probably going towards like 30, 40, 50 comments. So there might be more now where people are like, well, so, do you want us to feel sorry for you? We don't feel sorry for you. I'm seeing all women, actually. Not, I'm not even seeing many men, but all women saying, you know, oh, they're there. It's okay. Thank you for sharing. You're so strong. I'm thinking, are we being for real right now? This is the man that's actually been causing her the grief. But you have all this energy and positive energy for him, but you all have mixed, you're all mixed emotions, mixed feelings about how you feel about Danea. Women are very interesting when it comes to men. That's the other thing. And this goes back to even, even how, how men, women treat men in the family, whether that's sons, whether that's nephews, whether that's cousins, whether that's brothers, whether that's husbands, <laughs> whether that's dads. There's always this sense of, you know just unwavering leniency and understanding when they're clearly in the wrong um women in the family don't get that same kind of leniency and i always find that weird so i would love to hear from you my yeah, i'll talk about my <clears throat> own experience yeah. um i'll go a little bit about talk about the bible yeah when god created man mm -hmm. he thought he was lonely and he said i'm going to give you a helper mm -hmm. and that helper became a woman so women always have that role of a supporter, mm -hmm. of a helper, nurturing, mm -hmm. because basically it's what we were called because he was alone and God blessed him 
gave him a woman mm -hmm. to become a helper. So in some ways, mm -hmm. in most of the times when you see, even uh, as I was in my teaching times, you see girls are always forward more than boys counterpart. Mm -hmm. Okay. Their understanding level, their maturity level, mm -hmm. girls mature faster. So it's not a one thing or, or it's like universal. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, and you know, your grandmother, she's very independent, very educated woman, but she's still very submissive to her husband. Mm -hmm. So when I got married, it became the same thing. Mm -hmm. I became sub submissive. So we do have your ups and downs, but there's still that level that man is always above a woman. That's, it could be cultural because I'm African. Mm -hmm. So when you, it comes to raising children now, for me, it's, it's not really necessary about a boy or a girl, but it's more like who understands what better and who you just understand your children's weaknesses and shortfalls. So you support more the one who is, needs more support and help. I'm so happy to have you here, Mum. This is going to be a great show. So, Mum, do you want to let us know who we have on the show today and what we can expect? Yeah, we're having a very special episode today because we have these two wonderful young sisters of mine in Christ. Mm -hmm. They have a wonderful chat show and they are called Joyce and Rebecca. So let's bring Joyce and Rebecca. Yes, let's welcome them on. Hello. Hello. Hi guys, Hi. how are you? Hi. Good to see you. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. We're really excited to have you on. We're excited too. Thank you. Thank you. How Very are you both? We are good. We are good. We thank God. We're so excited to be in the show. We are privileged. We are honored. And thank you so much, Ada. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Wemma. We are so grateful. Yeah, nice to meet you guys. I make so, such a big fuss about your show. She does. <laughs> that she was so intrigued that she really wanted to hear about you guys. So I would love to hear from both of you individually. I would love to know who you are, first of all. Um, what, what's your journey? What's brought you to Christ? So I don't know who wants to start, either Auntie Joyce or Aunt Rebecca. Yeah, yeah. as you said, say, my, name my name is Joyce. Joyce. Mm -hmm. I'm a born-again born Christian, Christian and I love and God. I love Jesus because he loved me first anyway. Yeah. Now... You said you want to know why or what brought me to Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay. For me, I could say I was really privileged to have a mother who loved Jesus. So in the beginning, I didn't really know. I just entered Christianity because my mom was going to church. So she took me there. But because Jesus loved me, I was learning. It was just a process, like everything that I heard from church. Stick to my heart, I could say. And when I became 14, that's when I believe most people, most children, now they start kind of like know what they want to do or what they're doing. So when I was 14, I remember, decided myself, I did decide to say, I really want to be, to follow Christ. And it's very funny because at that point, I used to sing in a choir. I think I started singing in a choir at the age of eight seven eight there so when i was 14 when the pastor said oh those one who want to give their life to christ come in front as i was standing to go in front my mom was pulling me back 
say, no, 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 no. They are not asking for someone who wants prayers. They say, if you want to accept Jesus Christ, it was very funny. I kept saying, I want to go, I want to go. Why? Because I was convinced in my heart that I didn't have Christ. So that was my journey. Maybe let me leave Rebecca to introduce herself more and then we'll continue as we go along. Amazing. Yes. Wonderful. God loves me so much kept following me uh, there is that song which say he kept following me that's what happened to me so at the age of i think 37 37 i had a really bad uh, episode where i was really sick very very sick and i nearly died uh, my blood sugar was around 89.7 i was in hospital everyone thought i was dying i thought i was dying in on top of that sickness which was that high blood sorry i had high blood pressure uh blood sugar which was very high and my kidneys were failing it was only 15 percent working and on top of that, when I was in hospital, I had uh, another infection, which was really bad. So I was like, I'm giving up. Why am I going to die and go to hell? So I gave myself, I gave my life to Christ. And it was really funny because on the day when I, I gave myself, nobody preached to me. I just opened the Bible and I was in Jeremiah 18, where it says, I am the porter and you are the clay. And I don't know. I, I just believe his Holy Spirit just led me because I've never heard anyone preaching about that. I was like, God, I am clay and you are the porter. Mold me. And that's where my, my journey started. And here I am. That was uh, 2012. So it's nearly 11 years now. I thank God. Wonderful. Amen. That's really, really wonderful. And it's really great to hear how you both um, found your way to Christ uh, on your own. I think mm. that's, um, you know, something that I think a lot of people don't realise because, you know, if they have been brought up in, in a Christian background or even if they haven't, they, they feel as though it's very much dependent on other people, maybe in their family um, or around them in order for them to, to come to salvation. But actually, it's a very personal journey. It and is. For Joyce, that started at eight years old and for you, that started when you were in a crisis. But either way, you've both been able to, to find Christ for yourselves and now create this wonderful talk show which i really want to talk about so i would love to hear from both of you what made you guys decide to come together and and, and form this talk show so our friendship um me and joyce we knew each other since we were little girls in tanzania but as i said we used to go in the same church but with this different uh, perspective of life. She was born again and I wasn't. So we were not friends until I came to UK. Uh, she was the first contact I was given, apart from my uh, own relative. She was a friend of my sister. So um, so when, I, when we, we first came to this country, we used to live in London. So we had a really good contact. Then I moved to Manchester and we lost contact. But when I was sick, properly sick, uh, we got contacted, uh, we, uh, we, I mean, af after, after, but I was still not well. So we were reconnected. I believe it's, um, uh, it's divine. God. divine recreation. That was divine. Um, yeah. So we started praying and since then, since 2013, around July, we started praying together every single day and through our prayer and our friendship, 
uh, we've been, uh, they say, iron sharpens iron. So we've been teaching one another the word of God. And we came to the point where we thought people need to hear what God has been teaching us all these years. And that's where we started. Yeah, that's really, really amazing. I mean, I was reading uh, last week we had a meeting with the Women's Fellowship and they were talking about um, Romans 12, 10. Be mm -hmm. devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And there was another one which was saying, anyone who withhold kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Lord. And God told us also to be together so that we can spread the gospel through all the creation. And I see that so much in the two of you. I really do admire your friendship because I can see the genuinity in both of you. And it's very rare to get. I had a conversation um, pre like two weeks ago with Joyce. And she was telling me a little bit about the, the two of you, how you pray together, how you advise each other. And he said, um, the only thing I can always advise people is to get a praying friend. It's not mm. that easy, but it's a very good thing. So I think you should really treasure each other more and Amen. value what you possess. And maybe pray for others before the end of the show so that we can also get praying friends. Amen. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. So how, how have you guys, I mean, prayer is one of the most important things I would definitely say. And I think what you said there, mum, is, is very, very true. I think having that um, kind of uh, sisterhood um, and that ability to be able to confide in one another and, and lift each other up when the other is, is falling short is, is really powerful. So what would you say kind of what would you say kind of has made your friendship what it is today? And, and what advice would you give to other, to other women of all ages, you know, who are seeking that sisterhood and who are looking um, for that praying friend? Um, number one thing I could say, having somebody, now that I know, having someone to pray with, you don't just look and just choose and say, oh, I want to pray with Ada or I want to pray with, um, no. Now I know it's something that one should ask God. As for me and Rebecca, the situation was a little bit different, I could say. As Rebecca said, she knew God or she knew Jesus, but then she was not really practicing what Jesus or God wanted. You see, as like, when you take someone or you take a child to church, there are things that will never go. And that is in the word of God that raise a child to the ways of the Lord. And they will never forget even when they become old. And that's what happened to Rebecca. So she knew that she could pray. But because now we met in a different scenario, we met in a different case that, that at that time, is now that I learn and know that, okay, God maybe gave me, I don't know if I should call it a gift or what do you call it, Rebecca? Is it a gift or is whatever? I don't know. But it's like there are certain things that God will just like tell me or I'll just know without me knowing or thinking is God telling me. Yeah. So, so, a word yeah. Of so that time before we even started praying with Rebecca, and that's why I say for me and how was just a divine connection from God. I just saw a, her picture, and to me, it was written death on her forehead. 
and I panic. Imagine, although we used to have communication before, but we didn't communicate then, like for how about like seven years? Mm. We didn't communicate, meet up, me and her, is when I saw the picture on, her, on, on Facebook, but it was written death on her forehead for me. I said to myself, God, why Rebecca wrote death on her, like here, and she posted it. As I was thinking, imagine this is someone that I haven't communicated with her for seven years. I took my phone. I didn't have her number. Believe me, why I'm saying divine connection from God, Rebecca called me. As I'm holding the phone, wondering about a picture, Rebecca called me. So the number just appeared. I'm like, hello? She said, oh, hi, Joyce, Rebecca. She mentioned the full name. Then I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Why did you post that picture? She said, which picture? I said, the picture and you put death on your for I could see, but no one could see. So Rebecca was like, no, I didn't. Then I said, oh, why? Then she said, oh, you are lucky. That's how Rebecca said. In fact, you are very lucky to hear my voice. I was not well. I could have been dead. That's when I said, oh, okay, maybe that's why I saw that. So when she started telling me her story, straight away I said, I gave her my testimony. And just to cover up that, that's why it was very important for us to now sit down and think, mm, you know, with our own testimonies and other people's testimony, we could start JNR, means Joyce and Rebecca, channel, so that we can tell people what God can do. So that's how we started. So started, started, started praying. praying. It wasn't like, oh, like, I'm, oh choosing. I'm choosing. And during, and during that, that time, time, I was praying, I was praying with, with other people. people. But you but see, you because, see it's because it's a, it's a wall. If you if just you choose just a friend, friend using your brain, your brain, like what, like I, what did I did before, before. Yeah. These, these friends, for some, some reason, reason, you call them, they'll, they'll say they're, they're tired. tired. Or, or you call, call them, them, then they'll then be like, like, you know? You know? Or, or because, because you've told them, them, oh, let's oh, pray, let's maybe pray for me, I'm going through this and this or difficulties. Before you even pray properly to get the answer, somebody else will call and say, and oh, say, sorry, oh, sis, sis, I didn't I know didn't you were know going through this. this. I'm, like, I'm like, I spoke, I spoke to a prayer, prayer partner. partner. And, and when you when say, who told, who told you? you? So and so told, told me. me. Maybe, Maybe the, first, the, first, the people were asking genuinely, but you know, those things were like putting one of us a bit off. Then I learned that, no, if you ask a prayer partner or a prayer company from God, it will last long. And that's why. Me and, Me Rebecca, and Rebecca, we pray, we pray and we pray, pray for everything. everything. It's not that we just pray, pray once. once. If I dream I a dream, dream that, that I don't understand, understand I'll call straight away. Mm. We pray. pray. If, if I, I dream a dream that is very good, good I, call I call again. again. Let's sustain, Let's sustain it. it. Yeah? yeah? If, if I, feel I feel I'm not I'm well, it she became like part of me. If I feel my finger is pain in me, I just, ah, this finger today. We cancel that. So we became, it became our life. But, but starting, starting maybe, maybe a faith, faith, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. easy. But God but make it easy because of Rebecca Amen. That's really powerful. And that's wow. really amazing. And I think, um, again, even that story of how you guys became friends in itself is, is a testimony, but also, you know, a testament to how, how God works, you know. 
um, his ways aren't ours and I think sometimes you know we look for things that make sense in our minds but God can operate completely outside of anything that we can understand or conceive to achieve what he needs to achieve and so what he's established through you two is really wonderful and I, and I can tell just from even my mum you know when I've seen her watching the show and the things that she said about it um, how much it has positively impacted her so I can imagine how it's positively impacted so many other people um, so I, I was curious to know also you know as, as Christian women as well um, you know I feel like in, for uh, let me say for my generation there is you know a real kind of um, stigma about being a Christian woman you know it's it, it's, it's, it's very much twofold you know there's one side where you know you're expected to be essentially like holier than thou you know um, you can't make any mistakes you know you need to be this you know all submissive uh, to men and you just need to like you don't have a voice essentially you're just there um to to fulfill what your role is as a wife is and um as a mother and and, and that's it but here you are two women who have lived very different lives but have met in this extraordinary way and are now doing this really really incredible talk show um i would just love to hear from you guys what your journey has been like as a christian woman just to help dispel some of those you know myths and rumors that people have heard about what it means to be a christian woman especially in today's world um what i will say is even jesus himself when he was leaving the world he said um it is not easy but i have overcome the world so we know the the, the journey for everyone even a child say like uh, joyce who said she gave us her life to jesus when she was 14. i believe at 14 she was going through something that was hard for her at that time but now she's uh, of her age she would think that was what was that it wasn't hard so that is how life is so even us our journey is not easy uh, and it will never be easy but i always say i can do all things through christ who strengthened me and um this is what um I learned from beginning because my journey was not easy from the beginning. So there are certain verses every day when I woke up in the morning, I have to, to confess them. One of them, uh, I am strong in the Lord and powerful is mighty. So when I say that and I'm ready to go, no matter what um, comes my way, I will overcome because it's not me who live, but Jesus. Is. So what I'm trying to say is, um, we there is up and down there are days when you think you know what this is how how am i going to overcome this but it's god who uh, who made us to overcome so we um as we said the bible even the bible say we are not all perfect until we meet jesus that's when we, we become perfect so there are certain things we fall certain we make mistakes but i think the, the uh, this is for everyone it doesn't matter who you are you need to be somebody who is sensitive to this uh, to the voice of holy spirit and where you make mistake just be quick to amend with god and that's how to go and let it not be discouraging you because i remember the reason why i was not born again when i was a child because i'll go to the church and then they will say those who want because sometimes they will preach and my heart will be split into two and i'm like oh my god i am a sinner i'll go to, uh, to the altar and receive jesus and i go home if i make any mistake i'm like i can't do this 
I, I give up. <laughs> so I used to give up. I don't know how many times I went to the altar when I was young. But since I uh, since 2012, yes, I've made so many mistakes. And um, and even my husband, if he was here, he would say sometimes, he would say to me, are you a Christian? <laughs> you understand? And this is one thing. You know, people who are non-Christian, they're very quick to know whether you're a Christian or you're not. And when they're mis when you make a mistake, they are always the quick. But I thank God those mistakes they are not as often as they used to be. So God is making me better as I go because the Bible says we are going from glory to glory. So I will encourage everyone: do not give up. The, if if you make any mistake, if you fall into sin, just be quick to recognize and amend your ways with God. Oh, okay. That's that's amazing and. Um... Could you just give us a specific example, maybe at a workplace or a church or any any situation that you encountered and how you reacted and how maybe you went about to repent or to pray or to the viewers? Um, there are a lot. Say, for example, you know, when you are living with, uh, say, in, in in church yeah in church what i would say in church sometimes i'm very passionate about god you know <laughs> and there are certain things when i see i am like to i i, I may be seen like i am aggressive i don't know what can i say is it aggressive or like but, but from in in my heart i believe it's not aggressiveness but i believe it's like i'm very passionate when i see something wrong the way I say it, it may not come as love. And I'm one of those people who come back and say, no, that was not love. God, forgive me and fill me with your love. That when I speak, although it was right, right to say, but it was not the right way to say. So those are the things that I have been praying for and I've been repenting for whenever I speak to a sister, a brother, a family member, and it's not coming the right way. Because my thing now is, what will Jesus say? Will Jesus say the way I've said it? Will Jesus do the way I've done it? Will Jesus think the way I'm thinking? And if you have that mindset, you will have the heart to repent because Jesus was perfect. Even at the last time they were saying they couldn't find anything wrong. So that that's my thing. That's what, what have allowed God to work on me. Mm -hmm. um, should I just go with my version? Yeah, go with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. For me, again, I could say, as Rebecca said, Christianity is a journey. Mm. Yeah. Maybe if I go back a little bit with us to say even how we manage to stay, to be praying, to be talking, starting from ourselves. But most of us, or for me personally, it was a very big challenge, especially when I moved to a certain church, to a different church. My first church in London. I was singing. I think that's where sister, your mom, met me. And when I used to sing, everyone would come and say, oh, this girl can sing, this girl can sing. And I used to believe that, yes, God wanted me to sing. But surprise, surprise, when I moved to a certain church, they say I cannot sing. That I, I should not, yeah, that I cannot sing with the choir. To be honest, I was shocked. I was like, I cannot sing. What do they mean? 
when I look at them, it's me who could correct them that like, how you guys sing, you are wrong. You are not, there's no soprano, there's no this. So I was like, shocked. But you know what God was teaching me? That there's time for everything. So in that church, I now had to sit down. You imagine me who used to sing, leading songs from the age of eight. There are songs that I remember today. If I sing, maybe my people will understand that. Oh, you used to lead that when you were very young. But now I'm told, oh, you cannot sing. Maybe just, you cannot lead this. Exactly. You cannot lead, just back up. If you don't want to back up, then sit down. Then I say, okay, let me sit down. I sat down. But because it's a, it's a, the work with God is a journey, in my heart, I was boiling inside that. No, no, no. I still have to sing for the Lord. I remember my sister Wema all the time. She would just call me. Are you not singing nowadays? You remember the time that I used even to record myself, the clips, and then I sent to you. At least for her to know that I could still sing. But with, with God, everything needs time. Those things that seem to be difficult today, there's a time that you will turn back and say, how was that? Was I even frustrated mm. with them telling me, sit down? I was learning. And in the end, they're the one coming today saying, oh, my God, you're a superstar. Oh, you are this. You understand. But I know what God was trying to teach me. I don't want to say it now. I'll say later. But everything we need to learn, we need to have patience. And when God wants to teach you something, no matter how difficult it seems to be, I can assure everyone that following Christ is the best thing. This That journey between 20 and 30, I could say that was the most difficult part of my life because I didn't have a man and I was pretty. The other side, I wanted to get married with who I don't know. The other side, everyone who was coming, according to how I was taught, was wrong. They don't have Jesus. They don't know God. So I was in the middle. And the only thing that kept me going, I could say, is the prayers of my mom and my prayers. But you see, today I can speak and say, most girls, when they pass age 25, 6, 7, 30, devils start telling them, oh, you are late. You are very late. And I'm telling you, that's where most people do mistake maybe next time when you call me to your show if god will allow i might tell you because sometimes when the age pass a little bit a lot of noises parents can be telling children oh are you not getting married oh are you not are you this are you that when you look at the society you think oh maybe i'm this so i went through that as well because i didn't get married early yeah but to be honest being in christ it gives you a lot of relief because when you feel down, when you see all your best friends are gone, yeah, that's when you wonder one day when you are sitting like, oh, I'm single. And then when you look at your friends, they're crying. Yeah, they're crying. When you look at them, why are they crying? Oh, I'm married. I'm not happy. I'm married. I don't have this. I'm married. I'm... So I want to say being with Jesus is the best thing ever, whether you are married, whether you are single, having him. He will sustain you in your life as a single person or as a married person. And today we are here. I can say we are matured enough. Not old yet. Even your mom is not old. So we still thank God 
that we still have journey to push on that's really really powerful i love both of your perspectives on that and I, I love what you guys have shared there because i think um as i was saying before there's a lot of pressure um on young women to just sort of get it right especially if they are christian women and i think sometimes that can be very discouraging and it can feel as though you know maybe i'm not cut out for this journey maybe this isn't for me maybe i've made a mistake um, but from what both of you have said in your own experiences and in your own ways is that actually, you know, waiting on the Lord is the most important thing that you could ever do and having, spending time with him and, and listening to him and forming that personal relationship with him will save you from so much. You know, yeah. there where you said you're being ostracized in school and you felt like, why am I missing out? But then, you know, because you had Jesus and you realize that there is something greater there, there's something more important there that's what I need to press into, that's what I need to focus on. Um, and you're very right, you know, when you do pass the age of 25, there is that pressure, not even just from family, but from society as well. You know, people do look mm -hmm. at you like, why are you a young woman, especially if you're attractive, beautiful, you know, or talented or, you know, working up, you're like, why are you not getting married? What, what What's the problem? Um, but what you've, you've both shared there is that there actually isn't a problem, you know, um, what the Lord has planned for you is, is what's important. And actually his timing <laughs> is what's important. Um, and in the meantime, while we're waiting for those things, you know, to happen, it's important as you were saying, uh, Rebecca as well, to make sure that we're still carrying on with love in our hearts. Um, you know, that we don't, you know, get bitter, we don't get angry, you know, we, and that we're not um, speaking in a way that even if we are right in what we're saying, that we're not speaking in a way that's going to be, you know, condescending or harmful to others, just because we have passed that stage in our lives, or we have this deeper understanding, there are still people that are searching God and want to know more, and want to understand, you know, why certain things have happened in their life, why things haven't happened in their life. Um, and so when we're dealing with people, it's really important to, to understand where they are um, in the same way that God met us where we were when we, when we came to him. So I love what both of you have shared that I think it's really, really powerful. I'm hoping that all of you listening, um, you know, are definitely encouraged um, by the stories of, of Joyce and Rebecca. Um, so I want to first of all say thank you so much um, for being on the show today. I've really really enjoyed it um so we're gonna play a game though before we let you guys go is that okay yeah, yeah. Okay. yes um and i think the game you both have chosen is two truths and one lie um so mum, i don't know if you've pl have you played the game before two truths one lie in the past yeah yeah okay so what we're gonna do is um we're gonna let joyce and rebecca give us three bits of information and one of these things is the lie. One of these statements that they're going to share is the lie. So one is a lie. Yes. One, okay. So we have to guess okay. which one that they have shared is the lie. Is that easy enough? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So who wants to start? Who wants to share there? So do I have to say my things? And then yeah, so say all three statements and then we'll guess which one is the lie. Okay. okay. And then you'll tell us if we're right or not. I'm very I'm patient. patient. That's number, number one. Number, one. Mm -hmm. number, number two, two, I am I very, very strong. strong. And number, and number three, three, I'm very, I'm very friendly. friendly. Which one is the lie? That's hard. Okay, can you repeat again? I am very, very patient. patient. I think very that's patient. a lie. <laughs> 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 that's, 
But she's very strong. She's very friendly. She's got me. She's, she's, um, patient is a lie. The problem is that you ask your mom, so your mom knows me very well. Ah, you're right. <laughs> so that That's was the lie. True. That's true. Okay. And the patient I'm talking about is like. Mm -hmm. um, if something, if something happened, happened I don't know how to keep quiet. quiet. I'll just I'll talk. Just talk. <laughs> so she knows yeah. me. If yeah. something goes wrong, you know there's some people say, oh, maybe she did this because of, let me just keep calm and see until the end. No, 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 no. I'm not. So sister knows me. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay, next one. I was born as a premature baby. Uh, uh, second, uh, love cuts. And the third one is, I was very shy before coming to Christ. I couldn't speak to a group of more than uh, five people. So you said premature, you were premature, you love cats, was mm -hmm. shy before coming to Christ. Oh, you start already thinking, I know what I know. <laughs> I, I think I know what I know, but you it? just guess. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, no. A chance to guess. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with. That you were shy before coming to Christ. You are wrong. I'm wrong. I think something the enemy was using for me not to be where I am today. I was delivered as soon as I I uh, I accepted Jesus as my Lord. I was delivered in my in my dream on my fortieth birthday. <laughs> Yeah. So you were shy before Christ. I was very shy. Like I would, be. they used to call me where I used to work. They used to call me shy girl. <laughs> no way! Oh my gosh! So, so which one is the lie? Cards. My mom told me when I was born. I was born a premature baby. So when I was born, when she took me home, somebody gave her a card, and I used to scream like she had to take the cut back to the owner and since then i'm just scared of cut <laughs> yeah well thank you so much ladies for joining me today and joining my well, mom on the show today it's been a real privilege to have you both on it's been a wonderful conversation um i hope you feel as good as i do after you know listening and, and sharing and um, please let people know where they can find you and follow you yeah, thank you so much, Joyce and Rebecca. Thank, thank you. So thank you for your time. Love you lots. We love you. Keep up the good work as well. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah, people can get us if they write any comment. If they go JNR chat, they can put any comment there if they have any question. Or if they want us to speak about anything that we believe we've been in life for long. If we don't, then we'll ask. But everything that we do always pick there is real. And that's why we start from our own testimonies to other people's real testimonies. 